Hey everybody, how you guys doing today? I am so excited to be coming to your homes or to wherever you might be right now, but being able to share with you today the Word of God. Welcome Numa Church and welcome all those that are tuned in with us today. I just pray that God is doing great things in your heart and that you're holding on that you are holding on to your faith, even in the midst of the times that we're living that are so crazy right now. Even though we see that there's progress, things are starting to open up, at least here in our city of Miami-Dade County uh, on Monday, things are gonna start going back to normal little by little, and we are grateful for that. We're grateful that the economy is gonna start opening again in our great city. Some of you guys are gonna start getting back to work, which I know a lot of you guys you know, have been writing, and I know that the economy of a lot have been affected. So we're just thankful that in the midst of all these things, our God takes care of us, our God protects us. you know. And that's why this series for me has been so important. We're in a series called the hope resurrected and we started this series right on resurrection sunday you know and we're gonna keep on going with the series for one more week after this right till we get to may 31st which is the day of pentecost and in a second i'm going to speak to you guys about that but in in this series you know of hope resurrected we're trying to speak hope to you guys we're trying to speak hope to the people and for you guys to understand that you know in jesus you know not everything is lost even the disciples after jesus died on the cross they thought things were lost they thought that their lives you know were completely completely shattered and broken after that moment that they had wasted three and a half years of their life following uh this man that called himself to be the messiah but when jesus resurrected all these hopes returned to their lives and actually those men that walked with him once they were filled with the holy spirit they transformed the world the message of Jesus reached to each corner of the earth. So let me tell you something. In this time, God wants to resurrect your hope. Let me tell you something. And I want this uh, to be in your heart, you know, in a special way. Because a lot of us think that we're going to have to live like this for the rest of our lives, like wearing masks and gloves and using hand sanitizer, right? And that you can't go out and this whole social distancing. But let me tell you something. The time will come when everything will go back to normal. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week. And not it might not be next month. But let me tell you something. In God, you and I have a hope because the Bible says that we are going from glory to glory to glory. Amen. And one of the things that I really believe, all right, we need to follow the rules, all right, but we can't live in fear. We, we cannot live in fear. See, there's this acronym for fear that I learned many years ago, and it's false evidence that appears real. False evidence that appears real. Now, I really believe the virus is real. I believe that people have gotten infected by the virus. I know people that have, and we've prayed for them. And thank God, everybody that I know has come out of it, and they 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 haven't you know died from it. So the virus is real, but there's a lot of stuff that is going around it. That what it does is that it puts fear in our hearts. And there's this quote by Teddy Roosevelt that I that I love, and and he said that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The only thing that we need to fear is fear itself. 
You know, we cannot let fear take control of our hearts. And that's why this week, you know, we send out a survey uh, through text and through email. And we have it on our web page as well. And we want to make sure that you partake uh, of that survey. If you're part of our NUMA Church family here in Miami, it's so important for me to get your feedback. You know, and it's a 12-question survey, very easy, multiple choice, you know, because the importance of that survey, it has to do with us reopening. And I want to give you the good news that we are going to be reopening for May 31st on Pentecost Sunday. That is our target. That is our goal. Now, how does that look like and how is it going to be? Well, it's probably going to be reduced to 25 or 50 percent of our capacity. Uh, and I will be informing you, all right, which are going to be the service times that we're going to be having because we might need to take a longer break in between services to make sure that everything is cleaned and, you know, taken care of and that we're taking all the measures necessary. So this following week, you're going to start getting information about that. But May 31st is my goal and our target to get back to gathering as a church family. And we would love to see you all on that day, you know, and be able to connect, you know, it's going to be an amazing, amazing time. Now, today I want to share with you a message that God has been brewing in my heart for some days now. And the title of my message today is called Tendencies. Tendencies, all right? And we're going to look uh, at, at the life of, of, of two of the disciples of Jesus. One is Peter, and we've been studying Peter, but we're going to be looking also at the life of John, you know, and we're going to be looking at some of the, of the tendencies in their lives, because I really believe this is an important message for you and me in this season, because I believe that the season that we've been living you know, about two months now of quarantine. And that's if you're here in, 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 in Miami or in the United States. I know people that are in other countries like Peru, like Colombia, like Argentina, that it's going to go a lot longer for them. You know, some of them are going to be going into this quarantine till the end of the year, beginning of next year. And in those countries, it's a complete lockdown, complete lockdown. I mean, if you go into the streets, you know, without having permission, you get fined, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. So it's been a little bit different for you and me. But I pray that this time has been a time of spiritual growth for you. You know, I pray that in this time, God has been doing things in our, in your life and in my life. You know, one of the things that my wife and I spoke at the beginning when we were doing one of those 12 o'clock prayer times, we said that this was a reset moment. This was a reset moment where God wanted to give us a fresh start, a new beginning with a lot of the things. And I've said, even on these Sunday services, that if we go through this time and we come out on the other side, the same way that we went in, we wasted this time. I really believe that in this time, God wanted to do and wants to do great things in each of our lives. But listen to what I'm going to tell you. And this is so important. The way that we're going to come out of this different, it has to do with the tendencies that we have in our lives, how we process things how we think things through, how do we see things, all right? And we're going to contrast the life of Peter and John here for a moment. And it's not a lot of verses that we're going to go into today, you know, but we're going to look a little bit into their personalities because Peter just finished having the moment. I don't know if you remember two weeks ago and you were hearing this message where Jesus had this moment where he goes, you know, and he meets his disciples after they had fished nothing all night. Remember that? And then after that, Jesus goes to Peter. 
Peter and he tells Peter, do you love me? And they have this moment where three times, you know, Jesus asked Peter if he loved them. And the last one, Peter was, you know, a little broken and a little bit sad why Jesus was asking him a third time and if he loved them. And then Jesus prophesied how he, how Peter would end up dying. And he told him, you know what? Follow me. And right after that, we're going to get into the scripture today that we're going to be reading. But I want you to know something, because maybe you're there and you identify a little bit with Peter. You see, Peter was a fearful man. You know, he was very outgoing. He was very sanguine. He was very charismatic and a people person, but he was fearful. He was a man that had a lot of insecurities in his life. He was very impulsive, you know, with with his decisions and his way of acting. You know, image was important for Peter, how other people were seeing him and how they looked at him. And I know a lot of us are like that. You know, a lot of us are always, you know, we're going to take a selfie and we'll take 10 selfies to make sure that I'm showing the right image. You know, this is how I want people to see me. Peter was that type of person. And if we go in our Bibles to John 21, John 21, verse 20, we're going to read this uh, beautiful scripture. And we're just going to break down uh, some of these verses, starting in John 21, verse 20. And it says this, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. So Jesus and Peter are having this conversation where Jesus is asking Peter, if you love me, and they're talking, and Peter turns around. He looks behind and sees the disciple Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? You see, right here, we see one of those first tendencies, right? Or one of those tendencies of, of the human heart to constantly look around and look behind us and, and see what, what is happening, looking at our past situations, past relationships, you know, how things were, you know, behind us. One of the things that impacts me in the scripture is that Peter is having this amazing moment with Jesus what in the world is he doing looking behind? Why is he looking back? Why is he looking who's there? He should have just taken advantage of this moment with Jesus and then just don't miss the opportunity that he had. And he could have kept on in deep fellowship with Jesus, but he stops to look back and see who it was that was following him. I don't want you guys to miss the opportunities of what God is doing in your life because you keep looking back how things were before the virus, you know, how things were in my country, you know, being here in Miami and Miami's a city of immigrants, people that have come from all over the world. How many conversations were, have I had with people, you know, that come and, and they tell me, Pastor, you know, I love the way things were back in my country. I love how things were, you know, back in Venezuela, how things were back in, in Cuba and, and all these things. And we constantly keep looking back. And as things continue to be like that, it's going to be impossible for us to advance in our walk with God. So a lot of times we're looking back and we miss out with what God wants to do in this time in our lives. That's why in Philippians 3, and you don't need to go there, but just a reminder, Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14, Paul says something amazing. He says, forgetting what is behind me, forgetting what's behind, I look forward 
and I press on to that that is in front of me, you know, and we need to leave that tendency of constantly turning around to see what is going on. And when Peter turns around, you know, he sees this guy that is following him. Now, I love how this says it here, because the way that it says it, it says that when he looked back, he saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. And then it gives a little description. It says, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Who is the disciple that Jesus loved? Who is this guy? Well, that's John the Apostle. You know, he was one of the 12 and actually one of the three, one of the closest ones to Jesus. And there's something about that title that has always caught my attention. Because nowhere in the book of John does John ever call himself by his name. Every time that he's going to talk about himself, he talks about himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, I don't know if that bothered the rest of the disciples, but if I would have been one of Jesus' followers and this guy the whole time is calling himself, oh, I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm the one Jesus loves. Let me tell you something. After the first day, maximum the second day, I'm going to be upset at this guy. I'm going to get really mad. I'm probably going to want to go ahead and hit him or something like that and think, who do you think you are? Why do you call yourself that way? Do you think that you're more special or more important than me? You know, that title that John had for himself actually showed a tendency that he had. And what was that tendency? It was a tendency of self-assurance, confidence. He knew his identity in Jesus. Listen to this, guys. This is very important, what I'm telling you here today. All right? The disciple Jesus loved. Those that see themselves through the eyes of God. Can you and I walk here today and say, you know what? I am God's beloved. I might be going through a hundred things right now. Life might not look the way that I want it to look. But man, I am the one that God loves. I am his beloved. That's the way that John saw himself. He knew his identity was in Jesus. And, and and it's impacting to me because when it gives a little description, it says, oh, by the way, this one that is the disciple that Jesus loved, he's the one that leaned over. He leaned over on, the, on that last supper and he asked the Lord who was going to betray you. I, I want to tell you something. Those that have their identity sure and who they are as sons and daughters of God. Those that know the love that God has for them, those that can boldly come into the presence of God, those are the ones that get insight into what God is doing. Those are the ones that the secrets of God are revealed to. I love it. You know why? Because if you go back to John 13, and we're not going to go there, but I'm just going to mention this. John indeed was the one that leaned over to Jesus. You know why? Because Peter wanted to know who was going to betray Jesus. But he did not dare ask Jesus. So you know what he told John? John, since you're so close to Jesus, since you're the one that he loves, why don't you lean over and ask him? Why don't you lean over and ask him who's going to betray you? And you know what John did? Since he was so sure of his relationship with Jesus, what did he do? He leaned over. He put his head on Jesus' chest and he goes, Master, who is it that is going to betray you? And Jesus tells him, you know what, John? 
the one that I'm gonna dip right now, this bread, and I'm gonna give it to him, that's the person that's gonna be trained. So the secrets of God are reserved for those people that have a tendency of believing that they're God's beloved no matter what, that know that he loves them, that know that their identity is sure in God. Who are you? Do you identify here more with Peter? Or do you identify yourself here more with John? Are you always looking back? Or are you looking towards Jesus? Because Peter would look towards Jesus. But once in a while, he would just peek around. You know, he would think back of how his life was before when he would fish or this or that. John, on the other hand, once he looked at Jesus, there was no looking back. I love it because John was actually the only one that stuck with Jesus, even when Jesus was on the cross and all the other disciples had hidden away. Who was the only one that was there? The disciple whom Jesus loved, because he saw himself like that. There was no other place that he knew he had to be. That's why when Jesus on the cross, he looks at John and he goes, he goes, son, there is your mother and mother, there is your son. Jesus left his mom entrusted to John. Why? Because he knew John would take care of her. He knew John would look after her. Why? Because he knew that John was sure of the love that God had for him. Okay. Now, verse 21. Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about him? Not only does Peter have a tendency of looking back, but he has a tendency of comparing himself. He has a tendency of comparing himself. Right now, Peter is thinking, okay, why is John following us? And Lord, what's going to happen to him? Why do we have that tendency as human beings? Why do we have to compare ourselves to other people? You know, why this guy, Lord? Why do you choose him? Why does he have the nice house? Why does he have the nice job? I remember back in my days, you know, why does that guy get all the girls when he's so ugly? You know, some of the things that we used to go through. Maybe you see a girl and you're like, why her? Why is he singing? Why is he serving? Why is he walking with the pastor? All these things are tendencies to compare ourselves. And Peter was like, pastors suffer from that. You know, the other day I was in a pastor's chat with Jonathan Stockstill. He's uh, Pastor Larry's son. And he was saying, listen, if you're looking at other people's live feeds and services and, and it's not doing you good because maybe you look, you know, at this pastor or that pastor and they have thousands of people watching their service and thousands of people following them. And you look at yourself and you only have about 10 people connected to it. He goes, stop following them. Stop looking at what they're doing. He goes, if you need to get out of Instagram, get out of Instagram, but stop comparing yourself because that will end up damaging you. You need to be sure of the calling and the purpose that God has for your life. He spoke that to the group of pastors that we were there. And isn't that awesome? Because that's what Peter was dealing with. Peter was looking at John and asking the Lord, Lord, how about him? How about him? Let me tell you something. Uh, as I analyze this question, that's not the question that Peter should have been asking. That's the wrong question. If you're with Jesus, you don't need to be asking Jesus about somebody else. You need to be asking Jesus about yourself. You know, Peter could have been asking, Lord, you want me to feed all these sheep? You want me to do this? You want me to do that? Lord, do I have what it takes? Lord, speak into my life. You see, is an inward look. 
Lord, what do you still need to do in me? I don't need to be asking questions about others. You know, others will have to answer for God for what he has for them. But God wants to work with you. He wants to deal with you. Stop looking around. If I would have looked around to see who was still with me that started, man, I would have walked away a long time ago because there was people that were walking next to me that were, you know, I mean, in a, in a higher level of connection with God, of spirituality, of maturity. And I just focused on my walk. I couldn't be looking at them. You know what happened? They're not here anymore. A lot of those people are not here anymore. They're not, some people are not even walking with God anymore. So if I would have been worrying about them, maybe I would have veered off the ways of God along with them. But you know what I did? I said, Lord, here am I. I can only worry about myself. Lord, work in me, work in my heart, deal with me. And Peter's asking, how about him? So look what Jesus answers in verse 22. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. That part right there is so rich because what Jesus does is that he puts Peter in his place and he's trying to deal with the tendencies that Peter has here. And what Jesus tells him is like, what does this have to do with you? What does John have to do with you? Right now, I'm speaking to you, Peter. I'm trying to work with you, Peter. And you're focusing on other things. You're looking at other people. And how about if I want that guy to stay alive till I come back? That has nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with the purpose and the plan that I have for your life. And then he tells him, as for you, you, Peter, follow me. You follow me. You see, I want to tell you something as you're watching there today. Your following of Jesus is different than everybody else. My following of Jesus is different even than my wife's, even than my children, even than the disciples that I have here at church. We all have a different way of following. It's an individual way of following. And Jesus will ask you for things and ask me for things that are different. There's things that I got to deal with that you don't need to deal with. So my following is a different, it's an individual following of Jesus. And Jesus tells Peter, you know what? You follow me. You follow me. I want to give you this phrase right now. And if you're taking notes, write this down, because this is the heart of what I want to share with you today. Be the best follower of Jesus that you can be. Be the best follower of Jesus than you can be and forget the rest of the people around you. And I'm not talking in a selfish way. Of course, you're supposed to love each other. Of course, that we're supposed to help lift up each other. But I'm talking to you about your following Jesus. You see, your commitment to God cannot change somebody else's commitment to God. You can only worry about what God is doing here. You can only make decisions for yourself here. Now, verse 23 so the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. Listen to this. The rumor spread amongst the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that 
Teo. So there was a rumor that came out of this. Now, the question that I have is, where did that rumor come from? Who was there that could spread that rumor? Well, there was only two other people. Jesus, which I knew was not going to spread the rumor, and Peter. Because the rumors about who is about John. So what this tells me, all right, is that Peter started to spread a rumor about John based on the way that he interpreted what Jesus said. And a lot of times we interpret things the wrong way. What God is trying to tell us, we interpret it in our way. And a lot of times we start saying things that have nothing to do with what God is saying. And listen, guys, what I'm going to tell you, it is very dangerous to spread a rumor that has no truth to it. Listen to this. Peter started to spread a rumor about John. You know what? John is not going to die. He's going to live till Jesus comes back. And John needs to stand up and clear up what Jesus said. Why? Because Peter had a tendency of insecurity. And when you have insecurity, what you start doing is looking for ways to make yourself feel better. So you start saying things about this, about that one. Maybe you put somebody down so that you look better. Maybe you spread this rumor over here. And let me tell you, if you deal with insecurities, going about saying rumors about others, that's not the way to deal with it. That's not the way that hope is going to come back to your heart, okay? So John clears up, but that isn't what Jesus said at all. That's not what Jesus said at all. John is clearing up the rumor by saying the truth. What did Jesus say? If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And I love the way that John closes his book, because this is the end of the book of John. Chapter 21, verse 24. This disciple is the one who testifies to these events. And has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. I'm going to read it one more time. This disciple is the one who testifies to these events. And has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. My dear brother, sister, friends, everybody that is watching this right now. We're living in times where we don't know what is true or not true anymore. This guy says this, this guy says that, the media says this other thing, even with this whole virus. You know, some people say the numbers are really not what they are. There should be more, you know, deaths that are related to that. Others say, no, those numbers are fake. Let me tell you something, the numbers are a lot lower than that. And there's so many things that are going around that we don't even know what to believe anymore. We don't know what's true, so that's why we say, you know what, I'd just rather stay home because if I go out, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. And you know what? You can't live that way. You and I cannot live that way. We cannot let falseness, all right, or deceit reign around us. And you know what John said? John said, these are the things that I've lived with Christ. These are the things that I've been, I've been exposed to. In other words, what's the tendency, all right? And this is the last one, write this down. Taking ownership, taking ownership, truthfulness and integrity. Taking ownership, truthfulness and integrity because he takes ownership over everything that is written in that book. 
And then what he says is that he says, you know what? These things are accurate. Nobody, listen to what I'm going to say. Nobody could come and tell you that your testimony with God is false. That what God has done in your life is false. Why? Because it's your story with him. It's what he has done in your life till now. So you see the different tendencies between John and the tendencies that Peter had, you know, and both of these guys followed Jesus for three and a half years. Both of these guys, after Jesus left, they continued with the work of Christ and preaching uh, the, 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 the work of God. But let me tell you something. They both lived different processes. They lived different tendencies. You can see it here. And uh, God wants you and me to process things through the lens of our identity in him. Of us knowing that we are God's beloved. And that no matter what happens, we have this sure hope in Jesus. That's why this series is called Hope Resurrected. I know that a lot of us have different personalities. As we close today, you know, I know that some of us, you know, are, are more insecure and more negative. You know, we always talk about who sees the glass half full or half empty. Peter was a half empty cup kind of guy. And John was a half full, you know, cup kind of guy. Now, each of them let God work in their lives. Both of them did extraordinary things for God. But there was one of them that he was always sure and secure of the love that God had for him. There was a confidence. There was a boldness in him. You know, I love the story of how John later on goes on into his life. You know that he's the only disciple that didn't die as a martyr. All the other disciples gave their lives for Jesus. And John suffered and he went through hard times, but he's the only one that died out of old age. It's like if God had a special care for him. I'm not saying he was more special, but you know what? He lived these moments because of the tendencies and the way that he saw God. And the question that I have for you, as we, you know, come into the season where now life, it seems, is going to start to pick up again and going out again and going back to maybe business as usual. What has God shown you? What is he doing in your heart? What are the tendencies in your life? And what does he still want to adjust before we fully go out there and continue on with our lives? I want to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. I want you to close your eyes. And for a moment, can you just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me with this message? What do you want to work in my heart? What do you want to do here? And I want to take a moment and I want to pray over you. So, Father, I just thank you for each person that is connected with us today. Thank you so much, Lord, because I believe that your word is sure and your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I believe that you're working out the insecurities. You're working out the fears. You're working out all these tendencies of comparing ourselves and you, my God, want us to walk sure of who we are in you. That we are your sons and daughters beloved by you. And that we, my God, would be able to always walk in truthfulness and integrity. My Lord, I pray these things over everybody right now. 
And right there where you're watching me, I want to ask you as you still remain there with your eyes closed and head bowed. If you're watching and you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And I want you to repeat this with your voice out loud. doesn't matter who's there next to you. And just with your eyes closed, say with me, Lord Jesus, today I invite you into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Take me by the hand into the relationship that you have for me. Take me into the arms of my Heavenly Father and fulfill every purpose you have for my life. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for paying for my sins. Today, I declare that I am a son or daughter of God. Through you, Jesus. Amen and amen.